Welcome back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. Today, I'm joined by Judd Legum, writer of the independent newsletter, Popular Information. Before that, he founded Think Progress and was research director on the 2008 Hillary Clinton presidential campaign. Judd, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Reed. So, Judd, today I want to talk all things AT&T, but before we do that, I should say, in full disclosure, when I worked at a PR firm 10, 12 years ago, I actually did work for AT&T in California. I think you would probably be hard-pressed to find any political consultant, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, who had not, at some point, done work for them. They are the biggest dog in state politics, generally, wherever it is you are, and in federal politics as well. So, just wanted to make sure that I was upfront about that, but Last week, Reuters had what I would consider to be a pretty bombshell report that AT&T had helped build the far-right network One America News, OAN or OANN. The special report by John Schiffman, which delved deep into court records, presented the results of a massive investigation into the interwoven relationship between the two companies. And just to scratch the surface, the network's launch in 2013 came at AT&T's instigation, from what this report says. And AT&T's continuing patronage is responsible for about 90% of OAN's revenues. But you actually had an inkling that something like this was going on as far back as February. So why don't you tell everybody what you were seeing and how you sort of got onto that? Yeah, I started getting interested. Uh, By the way, I should just say this Reuters report, absolutely incredible reporting and gave us such incredible insights into exactly what is going on between AT&T and OAN. I actually started looking at this and became very interested in this in February when OAN took these movies. Technically, they were paid ads by Mike Liddell, the MyPillow guy who's on Fox News and Newsmax and all these places, just with absolutely wild bonkers ideas about how Italy hacked the election. And I mean, it was just completely out there, even by Mike Liddell standards. But what was interesting about it was OAN really wasn't promoting it as a paid ad. They were promoting it as if it was a program, you know, and they had sort of a disclaimer at the beginning, but it was being promoted as being run again and again and again and again. How does this network exist? And really through my research, realized that it was really AT&T and to a smaller extent Verizon that was supporting this network through carriage fees. In other words, the amount that cable subscribers pay, bits and pieces of everything go to the networks. Probably the biggest chunk goes to ESPN. Then there's a pretty big chunk that goes to Fox News. But OAN was getting money from this. And the primary place that it was carried was DirecTV, which is owned by AT&T. It's now technically spun off, but AT&T owns 70% of it still. Right. And just because I know that when you hear the word carriage fees, our, our listeners, their eyes might glaze over. But guys, every time you pay your cable bill, say that your base cable is $99, there are portions of that, you know, $3 here, $3 there, $4 there, that You are being charged so that the cable company can carry, as Judd said, ESPN, Fox News, Home and Garden, whatever it is. And this is how a Fox News makes so much money because the advertising for them is gravy because they're making two or three billion dollars a year in cash just on cable subscribers bills. 
most of whom have no idea how it's broken out because, of course, cable companies have never wanted you to go a la carte because they like to have the surety of money and they don't care whether you're watching it or not. They want to say, I've got this household. Yeah, and it's not necessarily public. I mean, some of this data we now know from the Reuters report and things like that, some of it comes out. Previously, when I was reporting on this in February, OAN was saying their carriage fee was 15 cents a subscriber, which would translate to about $3 million per year from AT&T and then some more from some of the smaller places where they were carried. Actually, it turns out it was a lot more than that. I think it was $57 million over five years was what this guy testified in court. Now, AT&T said, oh, that's not accurate, but we can't tell you what it was. I think it's probably in the ballpark he was testifying under oath. But you know, for Fox News, as you point out, it's a primary source of income, and then they supplement that with ads. For a network like OAN, it's pretty much everything. There are really no ads on OAN, and the ones that are carried, they make very little income from because they don't have a huge viewership. That's how the My Pillow guy, Mike Liddell, is able to buy 15 hours of ad time because they're not really paying much, if anything, for those ads. Also, back to this Reuters report, there was a court case where someone was suing someone else, and one of the accountants involved basically said, if not for AT&T and DirecTV's specifically DirecTV's carriage fees of OANN, which basically allowed it to have a place to run, the thing would be out of business. It was 90% of the revenue. Exactly. It would not exist. If that contract was canceled, the place would shut down. And in one respect, that's a limitation of the network, but it also gives them unprecedented freedom. You know, Even Fox News, they've lost a lot of advertisers through Tucker Carlson, but they have to have some concern because they still do have a lot of big brands that are advertising there. And they at least, not that they're doing that much, but they at least need to have it at the back of their mind of, you know, we don't really want to really upset one of their big advertisers, maybe Progressive Insurance or something like that. OAN doesn't have any constituency. <laughs> you know, they're getting paid mostly for people who've never heard of them because, according to this Reuters report, AT&T went to them. The guy who founded it was really interested primarily in maybe doing a wrestling network, maybe a boxing network. Or sort of a Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous network. That's what he had beforehand. Yeah. And then AT&T said, you know, we really need another conservative news network because all we have is Fox. And then he jumped on it. And so for OAN, there's really no check on these absolutely wild and dangerous because it goes beyond the election. It goes to COVID and everything else, just wild misinformation and conspiracy theories. And that's what is continuing to this day. We're still seeing it. And there's still a wide distribution of really lies to people every day. And then what people don't realize is they are paid for it. Not only does this exist, but you're paid for it. I'm paid for it. Well, there's two things. One is remember that OANN had a credentialed White House correspondent who the rest of the White House press corps would literally never let sit down. So she stood in the back of the room. But when Trump was still in office, you know, would always throw softballs to whoever might be answering a question and then would happily spread anti Joe Biden or whatever it was information in the context of being a correspondent. But, you know, they said we needed another conservative outlet. It seems to me that that's not a political thing. That's 
Fox makes a bunch of money. There's an audience there. So let's get in on it. And I would have to say that because of the outrageous nature of the things that people on OAN say and do, their content, for lack of a better way to put it, is broadcast much further and wider than it ever would be if it was just locked into some little direct TV or dish TV or something else contract. It is the outlandish and odious nature of what it is they say and do that drives far higher recognition of them than they'd otherwise get. Yeah, and it was really the 2020 election that gave them a avenue to become much more prominent because they now had a new late. I don't think they necessarily set out to say, hey, we're going to automatically be just saying things that aren't true, traffic and conspiracy theories. I don't know if that was their game plan from the get-go. But when you got to the 2020 election, then they had a lane that they could really dig into, which is we are going to insist that this election is stolen. We're going to parrot everything Trump and Giuliani and everything else says about this, and we're going to embrace this. And that's what really gave them prominence and started raising their profile. I think that's when most people became aware that they existed. Yeah. And I guess my question is, this was also done, I guess, in the context of AT&T wanting to merge with DirecTV. As I understand it from the Reuters report, they asked the owner of OANN to hire a lobbyist, go to Washington, D.C., and advocate on behalf of this merger, of this acquisition. Yeah. And I think that's where the story gets a little bit hard for me to sort through, because I think if we know anything about OAN, the folks involved aren't necessarily reliable narrators of the truth. So they've said a lot of things that, if true, and I don't not believe them, I'm just not sure if I believe them, but if true, they basically are saying they had a deal with AT&T that they would provide positive coverage about the company and issues that were important to them. This lobbying that you were talking about, that's a very explosive charge, which paints AT&T in a very negative light. To fully believe that, I'd probably need a little more than just the OAN guy saying it, but it very well could be true. It certainly merits more investigation. And I think one of the things that's been interesting is that AT&T has really taken no responsibility in the wake of the Reuters report, no responsibility for standing up this network, for continuing to fund this network, and really all the damage that it's done. And it's sort of just kind of washed its hands of it and said, this isn't our fault. We're not involved in any of the content. And that's been it. That was going to be my next question, Judd, was has AT&T made any public statement other than that? Like, eh, not our fault. Yeah, it was interesting, actually, when I reported on this in February, I felt like AT&T's response to me in that report was more conciliatory, meaning at that time, they actually said, we don't control what's on the network. We really can't get into the specifics, but we're constantly evaluating these contracts as they're up for renewal. So to me, that was almost like a wink saying, when this contract goes up, we might be done with them, so just hang on. I mean, they didn't say that, but if you wanted to look at it as charitably as possible. By the time we got to this more recent Reuters report, they were really dismissive of it. They said that they have no responsibility and no connection to the content. 
And then they relied on what is really this idea that DirecTV is now spun off. So they don't have any control over it. And, you know, the decision to renew the contract, we don't know when it expires. At one point, there was a report that the contract was expiring in 2021, but we don't know when it expires and that it would be up to DirecTV to decide what the future of OAN was on the network. But AT&T still owns 70% of DirecTV. They have multiple board seats on the DirecTV board. So they're really just kind of playing semantic games. Yeah, it's weasel words. I mean, that's basically what it is. And here's what I would say. I would bet what's left of my hair that they will re-up it. Will it be at the same level? I don't know. But my guess is this time next year, this time two years, three years, four years from now, OANN will be on DirecTV, and I'll tell you why. Because the moment they pull it, the right-wing outrage machine will attack. And I'll tell you this, that they are likely more afraid of that because of its volume and its vitriol than they are of being decent corporate citizens. It would not surprise me at all. I think that would be a pretty safe bet. I probably would bet on that side of the ledger too. And I think OAN's importance, you know, to a certain extent, it's people who watch on DirecTV. DirecTV subscribers are declining. There's a lot of other alternatives now for people. But for Trump and his allies, It's a very important service because in addition to the broadcast, they're producing packages, clips that show up on YouTube, that show up on other video sites that can then circulate and in a semi-professional way kind of package up this misinformation. And they played a very important role in the Arizona audit. You know, not only were they covering it, they had someone there all the time watching it, covering it, putting together packages. They were raising money for it. They had two reporters who raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to support the Arizona audit. So that is why it's very important you know, for kind of the Trump portion of the Republican Party, which is most of the Republican Party. At this point, it plays a very important role beyond the people who might be tuning in each night to DirecTV. That really is I would say, secondary to their ability to professionalize a lot of these lies, whether it's about the election or COVID or any of these other issues. So speaking of package deal, we cut an ad called package deal regarding AT&T. Rob, why don't we go ahead and roll that? Friends, family, the people who make our lives complete. With AT&T, you can reach out to those people to feel the connection too many Americans are missing today. In addition to reliable connections and crystal clear sound quality, your AT&T plan helps fund One America News Network. OANN is a streaming channel that hires radical, alt-right, white nationalists as hosts, cheers the capital attacks, and promotes COVID-19 conspiracy theories. Want more? By keeping your cell service with AT&T, you can help pay OANN host Pearson Sharp to call for mass executions. And with AT&T, you'll be able to keep funding politicians like Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who pushes radical new laws against voting rights and women's rights. AT&T, funding sedition, oppression, and of course, One America News Network. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. Well, Judd, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't one of my favorites in a while. So that provides us a good lead-in to, you know, moving away from AT&T's birthing of OAN, you know, how they are operating 
at the state level. And as I said, guys, at the beginning, AT&T is usually the biggest political player in any state capital. And if they're not, it's an oil company, it's a public employee union, whoever, but they're always at the top. I worked in California for 10 years. Their lobbyist, not really a lobbyist who's now retired, was the man in Sacramento in the California capital. But in Texas, you know, we've seen in the last few months, Greg Abbott, who was already pretty conservative, even when I knew him back in the 90s and the early 2000s, has gone significantly to the right, as has Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, as has the legislature. And so AT&T gave, I believe, $100,000 to Greg Abbott. I uh, was at the day that SB8 passed. This was, I think, after it passed the Senate, I believe. And then, of course, you know, they had the Democrats fleeing and then later it became law. But yes, I mean, it was very clear what the direction was and where Abbott was going on this. And so SB8, just to refresh everybody, is the new law in Texas, which friend of the show, Lauren Windsor, got Abbott saying on camera just earlier this week that it, quote unquote, outlawed abortion in Texas said, you know, abortion after six weeks is illegal and that basically state-sponsored vigilantes could bring private action against women who were receiving these services, doctors, nurses, anyone who provided them, including people like Uber and Lyft drivers who might take a woman to have an abortion. And so AT&T, since 2018, has donated $300,000 to the sponsors of SB8 not to say that AT&T as a company has a position on abortion, but they certainly seem to believe that we're in the land before Trump, that this is somehow a normal course of business, that every transaction is just a transaction, when in fact this law is now in force, it is outlandish on several fronts, and is frankly unpopular in Texas, and it has dragged down Abbott's approval ratings even further. But again, at what point does corporate governance and good governance relate to good policy? And right now it seems like these guys don't care. I mean, Judd, is it just about money? Is that all it is? Like, should we just say everything's about money? And once you accept that, then the rest of it makes sense. As far as the folks that are controlling the donations and the legislative strategy, I think that's what it's geared towards. Who can help us advance our agenda? And we're going to give them money. And we don't care what their positions they are have on any other topic. I don't think, and I, I mean, I think this is just absolutely true, that AT&T is part of this big conspiracy because they wanted to ban abortion after six weeks in Texas and then place bounties on anyone who helps people get abortions after that. I don't think that was AT&T's intention. But what's clear is they are indifferent towards it. The fact that that happened is not going to change their mind. It's not going to change their political giving. And I think on issue after issue, Abbott has really gone as far to the right as possible because I think his sole concern is fending off a primary challenger from the right. And he figures after that, things will settle down and he'll be able to rally his folks for the general. He's not worried about that. Well, let me say to Governor Abbott and his consultant, Dave Carney, not bloody likely. Yeah, but that seems to be the sole concern. I saw this week one of his primary challengers, I can't even remember the name. Don Huffines. Uh, yeah, criticized a web page that they had up, you know, this tried to help at-risk youth who were considering, you know, self-harm, things like that, including trans youth, and 
said that this was promoting, you know, this leftist agenda. They just took this website down. You know, they're not worried about helping these kids anymore. They're just going to take the website down because that's what they need to do. And it's very craven. And I think, you know, when you look at AT&T, none of this has really caused AT&T to not only not change their political giving or approach, but really they haven't decided that they need to even take a stand, even though they're one of the most powerful forces in Texas politics. And of course, they're based in Dallas. And, you know, it's not only SB8, but also SB1, which is the voting bill that passed in the Texas legislature in a special session that makes Texas the 50th most difficult state to participate in. It takes away a lot of opportunities for the way that communities of color participate, elderly Texans participate, veterans participate. And so, again, you know, let's take it out of a very hot button issue, Judd, like abortion, and put it into something that should be something that everyone supports, which is the most number of people voting is a better thing for the country or for the state or for the county or whatever. And once again, AT&T sitting up in Dallas watches this in places like Texas. It watches it in places like Florida, watches voting rights at the federal level sort of languish for the moment. And maybe this goes for lots of companies, right? We saw a lot of noise right after Georgia, but that all seems to have quieted down that the whole idea of everybody being able to participate in the franchise now just seems to have gone by the by. Yeah. And I think that the tension here is that there's a different part of AT&T the part that's trying to retain their talented employees and, of course, attract new employees as they grow or there's turnover, that talks a lot about civil rights, that talks a lot about women's equality, that talks about the value of diversity and inclusion and all of this. You know, you can read all of this on their website and they really lean into it as far as their public messaging. But there's just no connection between all of that which is actually important to them on a corporate level as far as making sure that they're seen, you know, beyond the consumer angle, seen as a place that people want to go work. They need that. But thus far, they are able to kind of live these dual lives where on the one side, they're telling their employees, this is the kind of company we are. And then they've got a whole legislative strategy that's totally the opposite and pulling the whole country in the opposite direction. Now, certainly they're not the only corporation with this problem, but it's very stark. And thus far, they really haven't given an inch. If anything, they're going in the other direction. No, and, and I think we will not be leaving them alone anytime soon. But I want to talk about the democracy front because they also continue to break their pledge to not fund the seditionists, right? The people who voted against certifying the presidential election on January 6th. And yet, again, now we're into the federal scheme, right, which is they've probably given to 200 members of both parties through their corporate PAC. They have a pretty strong touch and control over the U.S. chamber. And so now, you know, we just see that they continue to do this stuff. And AT&T, in your reporting, has been pretty milquetoast on this whole thing. Uh, you know, the U.S. chamber says one vote doesn't matter, but I think it does matter. Yeah, I think there's a few issues going on here. You know, one of the things, and obviously this is my real hobby horse, as you know, Reed, is the January 6th donations. So 
After January 6th, AT&T was one of the companies, there are a bunch of them, maybe something over 100, who said, we're not going to give to any of the 147 Republicans who voted to overturn this election. And then in March, we learned, and I reported in my newsletter, that they had given to the House Conservatives Fund, which is the fundraising arm, one of the big House caucuses. And most of the members are people who voted to overturn the election on January 6th. And they said to me at that time that they had gotten assurances that none of their money that was given to this, what's called a multi-candidate PAC, so it's going to support a bunch of different Republicans, but they've gotten assurances from the head of it that their money will be directed only to the Republicans that didn't vote to overturn the election. Now, that's pretty much BS. Because money is fungible, and of course, they were going to support some of their members. So yeah, that's AT&T's money, whatever. But they were insisting that they're keeping this pledge. They're not going to break this pledge. That was important to them at that time. Then in August, they gave $15,000 to the NRCC and the NRSC. And those committees support all the Republicans. And you know, on the House side, you've got 130-plus Republicans that are going to be supported by the NRCC. And AT&T now, the way they're handling it is, they're just not talking about it. After responding in March to the House Conservatives, they just won't respond. And they're effectively supporting every single person that they said they wouldn't support. And they're getting away with it. And I think, to me, there's a real problem with the coverage of these issues. Because when AT&T made the pledge, it was covered by every single major media outlet, New York Times, Washington Post, Bloomberg, everyone, straight down the line. They'll get that headline. AT&T is no longer going to donate to the Republican objectors. But when they've broken the pledge, people are just, they're interested in other stuff. So it doesn't really become a big issue. And I think that's a problem that we're more willing to consider corporate PR news than actual reporting on what the corporations are doing. And I think that is something that needs to change. Well, because again, if you think about it, I mean, we've talked about this a lot on this program and within the Lincoln Project is that much like AT&T and most of corporate America and most of Congress, political media, especially DC political media, as you know, is a transactional beast. It was interesting in the context of January 6th and its immediate aftermath. That's now months in the past, which in the American psyche could be years in the past. And they want to cover reconciliation. They want to cover the debt limit. They want to cover the 1-6 committee, but only up to a point. And so taking on corporate actors, many of whom fund every morning newsletter, whether or not it's Axios or Politico or whoever it is, they're all in it together. So the idea of kicking the shit out of AT&T or any other corporate person is also very likely bad for business. Yeah. And we actually saw an example of that when there was a super PAC. They wanted to run an ad in the Dallas Morning News, a digital ad on their website pointing out that AT&T funded the people behind the abortion bill, the abortion ban SB8. And the publisher of the Dallas Morning News said, we can reject ads for any reason and we're rejecting this ad and we don't like ads that make assumptions about the behavior of another business. Well, and also if you go to, I believe it's either the hard copy of the Dallas Morning News or maybe the digital version of it, but there's a big chunk of the DMN that is sponsored by AT&T. So, you know, they know where their bread is buttered. Yeah, I do think that that is 
a big problem. And I don't think it's necessarily the case that there's a directive or a memo or a meeting where they say, hey, reporters, don't cover AT&T. But I do think that in the back of your mind, you know that they are a major advertiser. You know that in a certain respect, your job depends on the publication having good or at least cordial relationships with these kind of advertisers. So, Judd, in the last couple of minutes, how do you see AT&T going forward? And how do you see the sort of corporate political landscape more broadly as we head into an election year? I think it'll be interesting to see if AT&T starts donating to individual Republican objectors. They've given to the NRCC. Are they going to give to Kevin McCarthy? Are they going to give to Steve Scalise? Are they going to give to all these folks? That will be interesting. I think overall, this is not something that is going to go away for corporations, that there are real cleavages between the notion that we're going to support everyone in power when a lot of the people in power are supporting this kind of nihilistic agenda where they're just going hard right for the Trump base and corporations are still saying, okay, well, but you're still in power, so we're just going to still give you money. But actually, a lot of what they're pursuing is not in the interest of corporations. Like I've spoken to corporations who are part of the effort to defeat the reconciliation bill, who are saying, actually, inside the company, we want it to pass because it will be good for our company. But you know, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has made its call and we're going to continue to go along. So I don't think that tension is sustainable indefinitely. So I think we're going to continue to see problems if corporations continue to go down this path where they're just going to support far-right Republicans no matter what kind of policies they pursue. I'd hate to say you're wrong, but I don't think you are. So before we let you go, Judd, where can folks find you personally online and where can they find popular information? Online, you can find me on Twitter at Judd Legum, J-U-D-D-L-E-G-U-M. And you can sign up for my newsletter at popular.info. And guys, I'll tell you this. It's him and maybe one or two other people. They do incredible work on a daily basis. Please sign up for it. If you're able, subscribe and throw a few dollars his way because the work he's doing is absolutely essential to the fight for American democracy that we're all in together. As always, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at Reed Galen. Judd, once again, thanks for joining me. And everybody, we'll see you next time. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter at Project Lincoln. And for more information on our movement, to join our mailing list, subscribe to our newsletter, or make a contribution to our efforts, visit lincolnproject.us. Also, be sure to check out our LPTV lineup, including The Breakdown with Tara Setmayer and Rick Wilson, which airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, as well as We're Speaking with Lisa Senecal and Maya May, which airs Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. All shows you can stream live on The Lincoln Project's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. And... We'd love you to join us for our newest show, Lunch with Lincoln, which airs every Friday at noon Eastern on our YouTube channel. For The Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. See you on the next episode.